If you're a real estate agent and you're tired of cold calling, door knocking, and spending money on ads, then subscribe to this podcast. We discuss leveraging the power of YouTube for your real estate business and how these strategies earned us over $1 million in GCI our first year in real estate. My name is Levi Lassick and my partner is Travis Plum. Let's get started. So we've got a very special guest today. If everybody can, please, uh, please go on mute. Uh, please go on mute. If not, I'm gonna have to regulate on you real quick. So let me see. Define a couple of uh, mute buttons here. So, hey Mary, how are you, Mary Jane? Good to see you, Tamiko. All right, I gotta regulate on the mute button. All right, there we go. I think we're. I think it's nice and quiet now. Um, all right, so we got a very special guest today, and today we're joined by. My good friend Marist, uh, and uh, coming to us from Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, she is a marketing guru. That's the best way I like to sum it up, you know. So all things marketing and uh, and everything else. So, anyways, I got to meet uh, Marist was at the at the Atlanta event, my uh, my first speaking opportunity actually, which uh, we we've shared that story a couple of times where. This is the thing, we, and we talk about this too, right? Going to conferences, meetings, always opportunities there. Uh, for me, it's about the relationships. It's about the meetings. It's about the people. Uh, a lot more than the information most of the time. Information is great, but it's really the the people you can connect with and just never know how things will come back around. And so this is uh, Maris, who I met I mean, almost two years ago now, I mean, it's probably around 18, uh, 20 months ago was that event and my first speaking opportunity. And as I shared, uh, I wasn't even the chosen person. I was, I got chosen by default. So their, their first pick for YouTube, uh, canceled (laughs) and, uh, they happened to see me on the roster and really barely knew of me, but, uh, thought they'd give me a chance and, uh, which was Giselle running that. And she, so she asked me to speak. So I was, I was the pinch hitter for YouTube that day, but you know, from there it, it's been a complete, uh, a compound effect and snowball of events. What's up, Krista, Krista. Um, I'm gonna have to go back on gallery. If you can, please go on mute when you come in. Uh, let's let's remember our Zoom etiquette, please. <laughs> so, I mean, it's been two years, people, since the pandemic. Let's go. Let's 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 get our Zoom etiquette uh, in line. Um, come into the room on mute, please. If you have questions, throw them in the chat. We always like to get to as many people as possible. But uh, yeah, I got to meet Maris there, and we've been uh, friends ever since. And just uh, I, everything that she does on marketing, very spot on, and she does. Uh, a lot in that field, especially working with um, coaches, consultants, agents, and helping them develop their brand and and their presence and and video and all that good stuff. So, Marist, welcome. How are you today? Hello, Levi. Hey, everyone. I'm doing well. I'm so excited to be here. It's going to yeah. be fun. Yeah, Levi. I'm pumped that we're finally doing something like this. Yeah, absolutely. So is there um, is there any more on your background that you could expand for us as far as uh, specifically what you work on in the marketing arena? Yeah, yeah, I'll give you like a, my really quick overview. I was an assistant for an agent about probably about eight or nine years ago. And I learned very quickly that real estate agents needed custom marketing support that they weren't really getting at that time. And 
So in 2015, I decided that I was going to start a marketing company. I like to refer to it more as like a boutique agency because my goal has never been to make it really big, but to make it very specific in terms of like who I work work with and how I work with people. Um, I've expanded now over the years to work with agents and teams all over the country. We're completely virtual now. And our specialty, my specialty, I like to think of it is focusing on repeat and referral business. So where that differs a lot, especially from like standard, like social media gurus, as people will call themselves or people to be known as is I have kept a very adamant approach to social media for nurturing and building relationships, not only with people who I already had in my sphere, but um, who were referred to me. So I'm not your girl that's going to be like overly focused on lead generation of new people, just because I'm so passionate, like Levi was saying about relationships and connecting. And so I do that through helping people with their individual brands. We do anything you would hire an in-house marketing person to do with like newsletters, touch points, events, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's very, very geared towards towards sphere. And I think that that's kind of where I plug into the marketing world. Awesome. Well, maybe we should hire you. <laughs> I think uh, we we need a lot of help on that. That's something that uh, as fast as we've been moving, I mean, that's that's definitely something we've identified as this year is we have to do better on, on building, I would say, solidifying the relationship. You know, clearly through video, uh, we talk about video builds the relationship for you. So people come to you with the relationship uh, intact, but it's our job to keep that relationship intact. And that can uh, fall apart anywhere during the transaction. It can fall apart in the initial meeting. If you're not the person who you appear to be on video uh, or can do the job as as uh, you present, that's an issue. But I believe the real relationship does happen after the transaction. And that is something to where we um, we definitely want to work on that. So uh, yeah, let's chat a little bit more about that. Um, yeah. One on one, but uh, let's get into, uh, you know, adding more deals to your pipeline using uh, social media, but also, uh, you know, this the relationship building. Uh, do you have a uh, what would you say would be one of the first things? What Which path do we want to go down? Do we want to go down about, um, you know, relationship management sphere and uh, referral getting uh, working through that area? Is that what you'd like to chat about? Yeah, yeah, okay. I would say that. Okay, so what would be um, starting off? Uh, where what what's kind of a, a process as far as uh, you you know where should we start looking at? I mean, I know that a lot of people in this group are you know very video conscious, so uh, we could probably start there maybe with some tips uh, on what we could do better on video, and then let's kind of just walk through that. So uh, attraction, let's talk about attraction through video, and then uh, once we have conversations with them, working through the transaction and post transaction. So. What would be some ideas that that we could implement on video uh, to help out? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say where my focus with video always starts and where I recommend that people spend a lot of time on video is when when you're first starting out and you're, or you're trying to get comfortable would be to show up in your stories on video. I think that people will jump a lot of times what I've seen with agents knowing that reels and video is so important that before they get really comfortable on camera, they'll kind of jump the gun in getting, you know, like sitting down a camera and posting on TikTok or reels or just trying to overly like 
capture video when they're in houses and they haven't really done any of that personal work with themselves on their relationship with the camera, how they come off when they're talking, how they're connecting with their audience through speaking and what people are kind of drawn and attracted to. And I think that your sphere and the people who are already following you are your best kind of guinea pigs for seeing what are people paying the most attention to when you are showing up and talking on your story? What are you getting the most interactions on? Um, And because you can follow very closely view count, like who's viewing your stories, if you're throwing polls on your stories or questions on your stories, if you're doing a walkthrough through a house and asking people to guess the price or guess the location or guess the number of beds and baths based on certain criteria, then you're kind of warming your audience, your existing audience up to hearing your voice and seeing your face on camera. But also it's kind of like a blueprint, like success on social media. I think it's super important to pay attention to insights and knowing who your audience is. And y'all's audience is not going to be the same audience that Levi has or that another agent has. Like everyone has their own unique, you know, group of people who are drawn and attracted to you. And so focusing on trying to rip off and duplicate a strategy everyone else is doing is not always the best approach. So I would say getting really comfortable on stories with your behind the scenes of your day and sharing glimpses into your life and using kind of those tools of, you know, the poll or the questions and all that kind of stuff can is the first place, I guess, if that answers that I would recommend people start. Oh, let's talk about the let's talk about the polls and the questions, because I think this is the most underutilized aspect of the story on Instagram. And if you have not done a deal from Instagram or gotten gotten somebody to reach out to you, um, have you been doing polls or questions or calls to action? So uh, could you expand on that? Absolutely. One of the biggest mistakes that I think that agents make on social media is giving away all of the information of a new property in the post or on the story. And agents do that because a lot of times agents are funneling their view of, you know, this post about this listing, how they would want to receive the information. Yes, it's true. It's obviously true that people want to know what is the price point? Where's the location? What's the amount? Or what's, you know, beds and baths? Like what are the key features of a property? But if you give all of the information away or even the full address, honestly, because then anyone can take it and go look it up, people are losing out on so much lead capture opportunity through Instagram. You can very easily say, hey, this home just got listed in a specific zip code, in a specific neighborhood, and you can give information around it without giving the full criteria and say, you know, you could even say the price point or beds and baths. But I think where we've seen the most success is giving the location, the beds and baths, and then maybe like a couple other details and prompting people then to reach out or guess um, what the price is, then you have control over the conversation or the people interacting with that poll or question on your story to then, you know, take that potential lead or relationship in whatever way, if they have someone they could refer and they haven't, you know, it's a different agent that has somebody who might be interested. However, it looks, you're at least creating the opportunity for that conversation. And that's how I think those tools should be looked at is creating the opportunity for the conversation. Um, And I just think that people 
don't always view it that way. They want to be very like giving and give the information to make it very easy for that person to process whether or not that house is right for them. But what agents I think forget a lot of times is like people who don't know real estate, like don't understand the real estate world. So like they don't necessarily understand that just because you've listed five different houses, that those aren't the only houses that that they could potentially buy. And that misconception's out there. Some people will assume, oh, Levi's listed like these 10 houses. That's all he has available for me as a buyer. And not understanding maybe like, oh, he could show me other houses or other people's listings. So that's that's just like a huge thing I've noticed all the time. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, it's, it, you mentioned the word giving and that's something that uh, I want to encourage everybody is that you have to, there's some, some people are a little reluctant to ask for the business or they may, they, they feel that uh, in real estate land, which is, I mean, the reality is, is we're not going to hard close somebody on buying a house, right? You're not going to show them the house and say, this is the house for you. You have to buy that, get it today, you know, 10,000. I mean, we're that's not going to happen. You have to let them make that decision. But when it comes to social media, that there is a direct correlation to asking for the business. And so just posting content, just, uh, you know, here I am, here I am showing homes here, here's this house or doing that thing. Uh, is not necessarily going to return you uh, the return you're looking for. You have to have some calls to action. You have to prompt people. You have to uh, get them moving. I mean, most people will not do anything until you give them some sort of incentive or call to action to do it. And a prime example is uh, very simple. You know, it's just like, well, it's, it's like reviews. Uh, this is something that we we talk about with our team, you know, getting team reviews, and we have to remind uh, to the team and say, hey, you know, this is part of who we are. This is part of our team. We need to uh, get reviews from our clients. But then also uh, it's one thing to like say that. But then when we we ran a contest around it, man, all of a sudden we got 30 reviews inside of a week. You know, people were calling people up, man, you know, just adding that little incentive or call to action. So just a little motivation behind that. But also when you're doing that on your stories, you have to think about posting that, hey, what what price do you think this home is worth? Or you you post a poll, you know, um, planning to make a move in 2023. Yes or no? Very simple. You know, <laughs> something, you know, question related or poll related, just like Marist was talking about earlier, uh, those call to actions or leaving out the little bit of information. This has come up in our Facebook group uh, recently as well. Uh, people are asking, hey, I noticed on some of Levi's videos, he's not mentioning neighborhoods. He's not mentioning, uh, you know, subdivision or something like that. And I'm like, exactly. I want people to wonder so that they call us and you'll see it in the comments of our videos. Hey, what neighborhood is that? Hey, what subdivision is that or something? And I'll say, hey, would love to chat with you about that. Give us a call, you know? And so something there that is, is, is alluring to them and getting people to move through that. We have to ask them for the business. Uh, and if we, you, you never know. I mean, that's, that's, that's what happens when you lose a relationship to uncle Bob, cause he's over at somebody's house drinking a beer on Sunday, you know, because uncle Bob's like, well, yeah, just listen, you know, he's, he's asking for the business. Right. And, uh, and then we've been friends with this person for a long time and we think they're just going to give us the business. And that's just not the case. So uh, anything else you'd like to add to that, Marist, or do you think we covered that quite well? 
Did we lose her? Oh, sorry. That oh. was me. Um, no, I think that, that that's super accurate. And one thing I would just encourage you guys to remember is like perception is reality on social media to a lot of people. And where you can end up missing the mark and lead generating is when you get really into video and you get really good at showing the behind the scenes of your day. And although that's great because it's showing showing people that you're living, breathing, walking around in the world of real estate and helping your clients, it also can falsely give off the perception that you're too busy to work with people. So if you're not doing what Levi is saying by like including those call to actions, asking people, hey, are you looking to buy or sell? Educating them like, hey, if you're looking to buy or sell before spring, give people a timeline because people will forget, like most people are not even paying attention to the fact that we're already at the end of February, right? If their goal was to buy in springtime, well, guess what? Like in their mind, they could still be in December and here we are like heading into March. So give people outward timelines and ask those call to action or poll questions and remind people that you're not you're not too busy. You remind people that you have referral partners in different states, especially if you're in a very popular like relocation area. Yeah. So what are some of the questions uh, or polls or questions or things like that have you seen or uh, are there basic ones that they can start out with that they can write down and, and start thinking about uh, their next pieces of content, how they can have a call to action in there? Yeah, I think that and y'all are going to know more about your world than I am in terms of like hot ticket questions. I know that I don't know if this is still the number, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, Levi, but people will typically be on the verge of buying or selling again if they've been in the house for seven years. Is that like the magic? Or there's something with the number seven. I mean, I think right now the stats are three to five years. People are making a move on average three to five years. Okay, so knowing that information, wherever your expertise falls, like asking questions around that, like, hey, if you moved into your house, so you can reverse psychology, it. like if you moved in your house in 2020, send me a DM, I have a question for you, or yes or no, you can put poll questions where you say, like, did you move in your house before 2020 or after 2020? And just let people answer those. So it's the questions that don't necessarily feel invasive or salesy, but set you up. So what I always encourage everyone, because you all have different areas of expertise, is to sit down and brain dump like you would in a journal. Just brain dump like what are the biggest pain points and what are the most common you know, things that you're seeing with your buyers or sellers, and then ask those like 10 step away questions to them, knowing that if they answer that, that you can then follow up and have deeper conversations. And so that's like, there's a whole real estate side. But the other thing where I really want to plug right now, because it's one of the things that I like preach the most is to add in like, completely non-real estate related questions. Like keep remind people that you're still a human and a person outside of just real estate, because some people may have absolutely no interest in your real estate content. And if you're, if we're talking specifically about your sphere of friends or family, you, you, in my opinion, do not want to deter them by only ever talking about real estate on your story. Your story is a great place to show your personality. That content doesn't live forever. It's not like your grid, but in your story, you can like, you know, an agent the other day, last night posted like about the 
the Murdoch, whatever, murders show on Netflix. And it's like, did you binge it this weekend or not? And on our on our conversation this morning, on our lean, on our check-in call this morning, we spent the first five minutes talking about that because I did and she did. And she was like, I got more engagement on that than I have in any of my other polls. So by having little relatable polls. Sorry. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. Uh, put you on mute. Um, <laughs> sorry, I accidentally hit muted you, Maris, by accident. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. Um, but by having like other relatable polls, it opens up again the opportunity for conversations where then I always implement my three before me rule, where let's say someone reaches out to you about, you know, the show, or you say something about a recipe or any of your other content pillars that could be personal to you and not necessarily business related, then all you have to do is implement my three before me rule, which is going three questions deep with that person on a topic that they've engaged with you on, because you created that opportunity in your story for them to engage with you. It went directly to your DMs, you're now in control of that conversation. You go three questions deep with them or go creep on their profile, bring up their family vacation, now they're invested in a conversation they go back and ask you well how have you been doing what are you up to and then boom you plug real estate or somehow then tie this relatable thing into talking about their work or your work which you can plug your business you know however you do the best but I found that be more strategic and drumming up conversations where people weren't thinking of you as a real estate agent in that moment but when you did start talking to them, caring about them, and then they went back to you, that's when all of a sudden they thought of a referral. That's when all of a sudden they remembered that their coworker is about to relocate and move and you could help them. So don't underestimate the power of like polls in all situations is what I want to say with that. Yeah, let me see in the chat real quick. What's the what's the hot topic right now that is keeping people from wanting to buy a house, at least uh, according to the news and everything else? And I'll give you a little hint. We talked about it right as we started this call. Okay, I see one one answer. Okay, two. All right. Yep. Okay. Perfect. That's what I wanted to see. Rates. Rates. This is something everybody's talking about. So if you want a question and everybody should test this immediately. And then also let me know in the Facebook group after this, how this worked. So do a story and do something along the lines of um, just curious, you know, is buying a home on your radar this year, but interest rates are holding you back. Comment in my poll uh, below and let me know if I could get you yesterday's rates in today's market, would you look at houses? Now, can I get a really quick tip too on that? That was off the head. So that wasn't perfected. Don't, don't skew me too much. No. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I love that. But what I was going to say too, that I found that works really well is, is encouraging people if they want more information on something like number one, doing the polls where they literally can tap yes or no, mm -hmm. and you can control how you do that. You'll get more interaction than using the question box where people have to actually type. However, if you do want it to be more intimate and get people to type, then do like drop a house emoji. If you want more, in if you want information or if you want all the active listings and XYZ zip code, drop a house emoji. When people don't feel the pressure of crafting 
a message in that question box and they know they can just drop an emoji or reply with a, an emoji in that box, it takes a lot of like the the pressure out and you, and you should see increased engagement. All right. So great point. So then we reword it, right? We say, hey, have you been thinking, uh, have you been thinking about, have you been wanting to make a move recently, but rates have you holding back? And if I could show you a way to get yesterday's rates in today's market, would you be open to, you know, to, to look in the market or something, something you'd have to word it just, you know, I think you get what I'm saying though, right? Does that make sense? And then you could say yes or no. So that way, very simply, you'll, and you get your, if you're looking for the yeses, right? So yes, I would be interested in looking if you could get me yesterday's rates in today's market. And hopefully you understand how a 2-1 buy-down or a 3-1 buy-down works. And that's something you can discuss. Um, we just worked with a, a couple of people uh, closing homes lately uh, that'll do that. And, and, um, and they're not worried about the rate, right? Getting them in the four and a half range right now, even though rates are 6.8, 6.9, do a buy down, got the concessions from the seller to pay for that. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's a good opportunity. And so they're comfortable because their payment is within the range they want to be in. But on top of that, they have a belief that rates will come down uh, in the next year or two during that two one buy down period so that they they're not they they can refinance at that time so that's a great tip yes the path of least resistance right Maris that's what you want to do so yes or no you want to make this all at a third grade level as much as possible <laughs> and I want to say too if anyone if I have any um people in here who like to use text messaging as a touch point with their clients, that this works the same exact kind of script works in text messaging. Just write something out, whatever, however the pain point is, framing it exactly how Levi just said for a story. And at the end of the text message, all you have to say is if you want more information or would like to dis discuss this further, reply yes. And just put reply quote yes. Like I use that as a sales strategy if I'm doing like a giveaway or like 30% off or something like that, or I'm going to give my clients a discount if they prepay for a quarter or whatever. I'll send out something that sounds personal with their name in the beginning. But at the end, I'm just like, if you want, if you want to see a proposed quote, reply yes. That way they don't have to like write a novel back. Like they might've had to read a little bit of a novel and then they'll just reply yes. Then they get to move on with their day. So yeah, path of, of least resistance, like Levi was saying. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and that's why, you know, on our YouTube channel, we have, uh, you know, a phone number an email and a zoom call, but also we're, we're trying to connect with people in their communication style as well. And so we know the people that call us want to talk to us, right? They're, if they call us, they're probably like auditory people, auditory learners. Uh, you know, they just want to kind of hear you, you know, texters and emailers or readers and writers, Zoom people are like kinesthetic. So, you know, those types of things uh, you want to provide other options. But yeah, when you have a direct call to action, it's the you, it's the least amount of options and the least amount of work that will lead people to where you want them to go, especially if you have a, a link tree, uh, you know, in your in your Instagram profile. I'm a little torn on this because if you look at my link tree on Instagram, I have four links in there. Although most people, most, you know, marketers will tell you, you need one period, you know, because if they go to your link tree or go to just a link on your profile, you're funneling them into one option. For me, I've got a reason for having, uh, you know, four different options on there uh, because we have a book 
coming up soon. We have, uh, by the way, March 7th. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, we have a podcast and the reason I have the podcast on there is because I know that if people are not ready to take the next step, then if they go down the podcast route, because again, to me, long form content is the best conversion. Uh, short form content is the, is the best exposure. You know, it can get you noticed really quickly, but if somebody's going for my Instagram, they can only learn so much in little tidbits, but if they go to my link tree and they see a podcast, uh, guess what? Every episode we have is probably about an hour at least. And you get somebody listening on your podcast for an hour. Guess what happens? Uh, not only do they learn a lot, but uh, that relationship grows even deeper. Do you think relationships grow deeper when somebody's listening to an hour podcast every week, or you know, watching a few reels throughout the week? There's just a lot longer uh, time frame. That's why on YouTube videos we feel like we get a you know a lot better conversion than from short form content. Um, although you can get conversion from that as well. So. So all good points, but you have to engage your audience. Uh, I think it was really what, what, um, and there's no really, uh, you got to test this out. That's the thing. Um, you have to test this out and, and try different things, you know, try the yes or no, try the reply with, try, um, you know, text me or ask me a question. Or, I mean, I see a lot of people do that. Hey, ask me anything, you know, ask me anything questions. That's another great way to get your audience to know you has nothing to do with real estate, right? It's more about you. Um, ask me anything type questions. And it's funny to see the questions that come back and whenever people run those polls. Yeah, so, I have I have something else if you don't mind. Oh no, this is your hey, this is your show. This is your okay, show. Okay, cool. <laughs> Before it slips my mind, um, I want to tell I want to tell you guys this too, because I think it's another huge missed opportunity from people. And I think that agents again, like I feel like agents on social media, I feel very strongly about this are mainly consuming other agents' social media content. And because everyone wants to be inspired by the person who took off on Reels or TikTok or whatever. And so what you're consuming a lot, and agents will end up speaking to other agents, knowing that agents are primarily the people engaging. Not saying it's always the case, but I've found that to be the case a lot, that people will grow really quickly and it's a bunch of agents like attracted to other agents and they'll lose themselves a little bit in the way that they're gearing the content. And instead of making funny reels about like uh, another agent, like forgetting to leave the key in the lockbox and like using a trending audio and everyone's laughing and engaging because it's relatable to the agents. Like remember the fact that the content you're creating for, if you want lead conversion is not other agents. You having like a lot of followers and a lot of engagement when you do funnel buyers and sellers and you have buyers and sellers. Yes. They don't know that it's a bunch of agents and that can potentially help with like the vanity metrics can help in some regard, but don't get so hung up on like copying all these other agents who are successful on reels that y'all are just creating content for each other. So one of the things that I think that I, 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 there's, I rarely see this and I think it would be brilliant as an agent to do would be to tell more stories, like identify your buyers or sellers biggest pain points in whatever current market you're in. And then figure out whether or not you have helped somebody with one of those scenarios. If you are a producing agent, you probably have, right? Then find ways without using people's names or like overly giving away too much information, tell the stories in a way that's like, someone called me and said this, 
And then I help them like this, because that's going to help me, the buyer, me, the seller, see myself working with you because I have that exact same pain point. So what I'm trying to say in short is that there's not enough storytelling from the buyer or seller side. And if you are strategic as an agent, I had somebody, the one girl that I saw do this really well, she started something as if she was a buyer or seller saying, I don't want to buy a house because of this, this, this. So I'm watching this real thinking it's a buyer or a seller. And then all of a sudden she goes, that's a text message that I got this morning. And this was my reply. And this is how I can help that person. So immediately I was identifying as a potential buyer with that agent thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Like, I don't want to buy because of this. Then all of a sudden it flipped and I was like, oh my gosh. And the only thing I wanted to do is contact that person. So, so don't get too lost is what I'm trying to encourage in the world of like all these agents blowing up and forget who your audience is or should be. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. If I can add to that, I think you want to be mindful of how you position your content as well, which is uh, be mindful of who you're making fun of. You know, so if if you have reels or short form content making fun of the buyer or the seller, think about how that may make them feel, or especially the ones that are concerned or scared to ask questions. Right. I mean, I think everybody has a little reluctance to ask. Uh, you know, everyone says it all the time. Well, I, uh, I hate to ask a dumb question or I didn't ask anything because I didn't want to look dumb. And then uh what Maris is talking about making reels, you know, if we're, if we're making reels about mistakes that buyers or sellers are making and we're, we're poking fun at them. I mean, if I was in that position, I'd say, Ooh, well, I don't want to end up on this agent's reels <laughs> as a, as a joke, you know? And so I think uh, what she's talking about storytelling there is a very powerful because uh, you know, and I'll just pick on Betty here uh, since she's on here and I know she just recently closed the house, but Betty, I mean, that would be, you know, posted a great picture and balloons and confetti and all that cool stuff. But it's like, now is the opportunity to say, you know what, we just closed on a home with the client and here's, you know, they had this major issue or they had a problem or they had this concern, or you think you're the only person concerned about rates right now? Well, we just closed on a home and guess what their rate is at? Well, it's at this, but we were able to do this and we were able to do that. Or, you know, they had to move because of this reason, or, you know, they saw the opportunity or they, they got transferred and had to make, you know, so whatever that situation is, a nice little um, summary of that client success, then, you know, that is something that's going to give comfort to other people versus, uh, you know, me crying in a box of Kleenex eating pizza saying, oh, I just showed 80 homes to one buyer and they decided they want to rent instead, you know, uh, which is just showing your your frustration of working with people, right? And that, oh, it's it's uh, I've, I've worked with somebody and now they don't want to buy. And so, you know, those types of reels, I would just be very, very mindful it's the same approach, you know, I've talked about with on YouTube right now, I can make a video about um, the market burning down and price drops and everything's, you know, houses underwater. And I don't think that's the client I'm looking for. You know, that's I, I'm I'm looking for the, the, the clients that want to move. And so, you know, that's where I've chosen to stick on message, to stay positive, to provide information about 
uh, Dallas in, in that manner and to to move forward and and to let people know in the videos, hey, if you're concerned about this, just give us a call. We have to talk through your situation and you know figure out what's going to work best for you. And that's what I say in every video. Um, so you know, the thing is, is I just I don't believe you'll you'll get the phone to ring if you're posting you know 40 percent uh price drops and the market is crashing and then you're you know sitting there talking about you know all the bad stuff in the market right you're going to attract the negativity you're going to attract the people um that are that are like yep this is oh i, I would never buy a house and guess what they've are, they've been saying they're never going to buy a house for the last five years. Right? And so now they're, they're not going to buy houses as well. It's like, uh, that's not the audience I'm looking for. So yeah. I know people are out there moving, they're researching people and buy and sell homes every single day in every single market. And that's, that's the people I want to find. Yeah. And sadly, if you're not paying attention to who's liking your stuff or commenting on your stuff, you can like some people anyway, can get really, really, um, like a false, a false understanding of the success that they're having on social media through vanity metrics when they're not even bothering to realize like, oh, that might, that reel might've performed the best, but who did it perform the best with? Like my target audience who's actually going to work with me or did it perform really well with agents because we're all like talking shit, you know? So sorry. I shouldn't have said, I shouldn't have we know how we know how Tennesseans okay. <laughs> are, but uh, yeah, I don't know. So that's that is one message that I'm very very passionate about about sharing, especially as things are taking off and why. Like you know, I guess Levi, I don't know. Do you want me to give you some of like my tangible tools that I recommend to agents and can when they're starting or whatever? yes. I do. I do. I want to, let me see. Let me look at a couple of questions real quick. Uh, I saw uh, Diana says, how do you personalize text messages with names? Oh, well, I'm not sure where that came up. I would say real quick. uh, Yeah. Either you type in their name or, or the, the, your CRM, right? Uh, If your CRM has, uh, you know, should have a built in, you could build in templates. At least that's the way RCM works. CRM works. You could build in templates if you're texting people and it'll say, Hey, first name, it'll literally say like parentheses, first name. And as long as you have that content contact uh, card stored in your CRM, it'll automatically pop out Joe or Betty or whoever uh, it's going to. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure where that came up. So I was just going back there, but uh, let's see. Okay. So yeah, let's get into some tools. I don't see any other questions. Uh, We can always come back to those. So what are the tangible tools? Yeah, tangible tools. So the first thing I recommend, definitely if I'm ever coaching with an agent one-on-one is, and I'm happy, Levi, I guess I can send you these tools and you can send them out or whatever. I don't know. Um, in our Facebook group? I can post them in the Facebook group. Yeah. yeah go for it. The spreadsheets. Okay, cool. Um, so there's a spreadsheet that I have that's very practical and very simple, but essentially there's a few things on it that you want to identify. Number one is like, who is your, I call them, your hot 100. So your hot 100 would be 100 people that you've already met. So someone who's likely going to be already in your sphere, who you either have done business with, or you feel very confident they would refer business to you, even if they're just like a friend or coworker or something like that. So you want to put your top 100 people that you would put in that category, then you want to make sure that you are connected with those people on social media platforms that you use most often like Facebook, 
an Instagram or wherever you are where you can mutually connect. So you want to do that for your top 100 people. You also want to do that for your chicken list and your chicken list is going to be the top 20 people that you want to do business with, or let's say you think would be an amazing referral source. So if it's someone who's like the head of an organization that has a lot of your ideal clients or target market, you know, that they are connected to and you want them to be one of your top referral sources, you want to put all these people on your chicken list. And then you can't guarantee the chicken list people will probably follow you back because you don't know them most of the time. Um, or you do know them and you're too afraid to open up that conversation to say you want that type of relationship. But then when what you do is you're going to rotate, you're going to like nurture your algorithm to get you more in front of these people. And you do this by rotating every week, you're going to rotate through or every month, you're going to, what am I saying? Yeah, every month. you Every week. Yeah, yeah. Every week you rotate through 25 people, right? So then by the end of the month, you touch these people like on social media one way or another. So each day, that's only five people, right? If you're going through, if you're doing this five times a week, like Monday through Friday, it's part of your routine on social media. So what you're going to do is you're going to make it a goal to, this is like a play off the $1.80 rule. And if y'all don't know that, then don't worry about it right this second. But essentially going through rotating these people every day, looking to see have they posted a story, have they have they posted on their timeline, have they made a post, whatever. And you want to leave a two cents comment. And a two cents comment is basically just a comment that's more meaningful and engaging than being like, congratulations, like when someone's kid graduated from college, you say, or high school, or whatever. You say, congratulations, like what's the next step? Or like, have they picked a school? Or how exciting? Or with with something that follows it, a question that will prompt the engagement back and forth. So when you do this and you start engaging with their stuff, you're going to increase the likelihood that, that the algorithm is now going to show your content in front of them. So when as you're developing your content strategy, you're now using this spreadsheet as a guideline for already knowing you've already done that brain work to figure out who you want to work with. And now you're just doing a light little touch point to guarantee that your content's not completely getting missed by them because you're primarily engaging with other agents and not your sphere. So be very, very mindful about who you engage with, who you follow. If you are an agent, you should be following so many local businesses. You should be engaging with local businesses. I know Levi, I'm pretty sure you're the one who has like opened up a lot of people's eyes to leaving Google reviews and getting exposure through you showing up on other business pages in your local area. But you just, you want to make sure that you're showing up in those areas and otherwise you will deter like that content being shown there. So rotate through. And then my goal for my coaching clients is always for you to set coffee appointments or meetings through this engagement strategy when you're engaging with them aside from nurturing the content. Um, but that's, that's one of my, I have like a whole nother sheet. That's just basic biggest misses, best practices, rules for your bio, all that kind of stuff that I can send. But I wanted to really make that point about engagement while I was here. Ooh, let's talk about, let's talk about bio structure on, on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Tell us the wrong way and the right way. So 
If you don't know this, like your your handle and your name, the name section is the only searchable part of your bio. So it's important, I think, as an agent to have some sort of keyword in those areas. For me, I'm going to use myself really fast as an example. If you guys follow me, it's at Marist Marketing, but you're going to notice like I have a separate business account, but for the purposes of me teaching agents on building referral business, I like to use my personal profile as an example because I don't talk a lot about marketing. I talk about it like 20% of the time that I'm posting because I'm my goal is to build and nurture like relationships that would exceed whether I stop marketing or not. It's a whole nother conversation. But my point is my handle is at Marist Marketing. So every time I engage with someone, I'm creating brand awareness that my name is Marist and that I do marketing. So if I'm going through and engaging with all the people I want to do business with all the time, then what they're seeing all the time is Marist Marketing, Marist Marketing, Marist Marketing. And I do that on purpose in case they don't see my content or don't care about my content. They're at least going to be reminded every time I engage with them. So if you don't have something related to your industry in your handle, then I would highly encourage that you add something to your location or your industry in your handle and use engagement as your number one brand awareness strategy on social media. It can take a long time for you to get really comfortable or really good at content creation. You guys are real estate agents. You're not content creators. And I know that everyone is making you think that you have to be content creators, but not everyone is meant to be a content creator. Some people are really good at it. Some people are not that great at it. I'm not saying you can't ever get there and I'm not discouraging you from getting there, but this is a very simple tool that you can do. Same thing with your name. You could have your name, like a divider line, a set, whatever it's called. And then on the other side of that, have your location and think about what people are searching when they go into Instagram and search Dallas, Texas realtor, whatever it is that they're going to be searching Put that, plug that into the name section. That's more important than you having your actual name. You could take up the whole name section on Instagram, just saying what it is you do and drop your full name directly beneath it in the bio part that doesn't really matter, right? So I don't know. There's different ways that you can combine that. Also, say who you serve and who you're looking for. If you primarily work with investors, say that you are looking for investors. If you primarily work with sellers, if you work with both. If you work in a in a smaller geographical area than just, you know, something super broad like Atlanta and you work in a suburb of an area, then put that in your bio. But communicate who you serve and absolutely always have a call to action to your link and bio. Tell people what your link is. Whatever you are trying to drive traffic to, like Levi was saying earlier, like I used to be someone who only had one link because that's how I funneled everyone was to my contact page to get them on the phone with me. It's very important that you know where you close deals. If you do it on the phone or you do it with your own voice, now you're talking to people, drive people there. If you know, like Levi has learned and I'm, I haven't even explored YouTube. So like, you know, take both of our, take my advice with a grain of salt. This is just what has worked for me. Like I know that like people will follow me for whatever reason. If I get them on the phone, then I can close the deal. Now that I have courses and I built other things, it makes more sense for me to have a link tree. So whatever I'm in the prime of wanting to point people to, right now you're going to see me watch my free webinar. That's what I'm trying to drive traffic to. You need a call to action in your bio to prompt people to click on the link. You also need the buttons. And if you don't know this, you can add a button 
right under your bio for people to email you and people to call or text you. I highly, highly encourage as a real estate agent that you set the phone button up to call you. Because if people are feeling so inclined that they want to contact you via phone on social media, they probably want to just be on the phone with you. If they wanted to write you, they could use the message feature on Instagram. So I don't encourage putting text message, even though you guys get a million calls a day, I'm sure. Like set it up to where people can call you so that you're, you know, increasing the likelihood that that you're making that very easy for them to get in touch with you if they're interested about something. So that's what I would say about your bios. I also am a very like visual person. So I love that Levi just brought that up as I was saying that. It's like you read my mind. Um, so when it comes to crafting your bio, using emojis. So a lot of people will put emojis in the middle or the end or whatever. Emojis in in at all times should replace punctuation. So when you're using an emoji in place of a in in a line item situation, it should replace the bullet point, which goes in the front of the text. And the reason being because your eyes more drawn to the image. And if you're putting it at the end or in the middle or staggered, it could deter people from being drawn in and reading left to right and being very like drawn in and focused into an area. So you'll increase the chances people actually read your bio by using it in place of the bullet. Levi, I didn't know if you wanted to talk through your... Well, did I, did I pass? Did I pass? Oh yeah. See, <laughs> YouTube for real estate. And I'm pretty sure we talked about this when you first had your thing. Um, or something. So people, so Levi too. Well, Mar Marist, yeah. Marist actually made me change it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was probably, I don't know, eight or nine months ago. She's like, your profile sucks. Change it. Here's what yeah. you <laughs> Look at you with 105,000. I didn't even realize that. Good for you, Levi. <laughs> Um, so Levi, Levi's name is very well known. So like people like having his full name as his handle, I think is very relevant. Like, because th his Instagram page at this point is like his, not like your personality because you are who you are, but like two agents, right? Because you're primarily, your prime, your primary goal with this account is to educate agents and all of that. So it's a little bit, and that's why he has YouTube for real estate in his name. So those are two examples. Like people are going to search him by his full name, likely, because it's unique and it's he has a very distinct personal brand. So it is important he has that somewhere. And then so just like me, my company is called Maristink and my name is called Marist. My last name is not that important, but I make sure that at least Marist is present in both situations. So yeah. And then I spell out, like you mentioned, uh, helping real estate agents crush YouTube. Yeah. So that's the first line. Uh, I put I put results in here just because I, anytime that I want to learn from somebody, I'm always curious, what are their results? And a lot of people don't display their results. So I just throw it out there. Hey, here's what we've done. So <laughs> if, if you want to- That's so good. Yeah. If you haven't made it to those levels, then those are- probably people I want to help. But what's funny is every time I go to a conference, these mega agents are, they haven't, they haven't conquered YouTube and they're coming to me and I'm, I'm working with five, six, seven, $800 million producers on their YouTube because they've, they've done it every other way except YouTube. And it's just, it blows me away. I'm sitting there, you know, in the audience going, holy shit, $700 million. And then, and then I get off a stage or something they come to me and they're like, 
wow, YouTube. I mean, they're so excited and yeah. amazing. So, um, but still it's, uh, you know, of course we want to promote the, um, uh, the book as well. And then uh, my little personal touch, Iraq veteran, I think everybody, uh, you know, likes to work with veterans as well. So that's a, yeah. a common, uh, you know, a very relatable factor and then discover how, so that's a little call to action, right? Discover how, and they can hit on the link tree. So, uh, like I said, I've got four, four links, uh, despite, I know a lot of people will say, but I think, I think I've got, you know, a very significant, uh, differentiation and audience as well. Yeah. And you're doing different, you're doing different things. So that's where, like, it's funny I had, cause I just now I'm starting to do, I, I was adamant that I grow my business through my personal account for all these years so I could teach agents how to do it. But now I'm at a point where I'm building courses and I created, I went back to the business page. I had put that on hold. So now I'm pouring into the business page and someone was like, Maris, like you're the one who always teaches us to have one account. And now you have two accounts. And I was like, well, I am a marketing person. I'm not a real estate agent. <laughs> like it's very different, but you Levi, like you, that's like a business within the, like, it's totally different. You're selling you when you have products and courses and all that kind of stuff, you absolutely should have a link tree. Well, and you're also, you notice that I've chosen Instagram as a direct marketing channel to real estate agents. I'm not trying to mix real estate clients with real estate agents on there. I'm not trying to serve two different audiences. And that's the same. uh, That's why we have two different YouTube channels for one directed towards agents, one directed towards clients. I I actually don't want any of my clients knowing about (laughs) the book, my court, none of that, you know, it's just, it's not something that, uh, uh, you know, I mean, some will find out and that's, that's okay. It's not something I'm embarrassed about. It's just not something that I'm promoting or I want to get mixed up in there. I want to keep real estate clients focused on buying and, and selling real estate. And I want to keep agents focused on learning how to attract, you know, buyers and sellers through YouTube. So very distinct audience. So you have to make that determination who, who you're targeting as well. And I think too, like as an agent, it's really important to decide like Levi, I think you right out the gate came into the real estate world and like went all in with like pulling people in from your geographical area. Right. And like that, like, and you've seen so much success with that. I think that agents, like a lot of agents kind of need, like there's two different strategies based on if you were looking to build in like people from your community who have never met you versus like a lot of what I talk about with like how you nurture your sphere. Even if you were to have a, if you're an individual agent and it was, you know, this agent doing personal social media, the way that I train and teach personal social media, if you are trying to get business directly from your sphere, that can still drive in some local, but it's primarily like getting repeat and referral business, like extremely consistently to where you'd be so happy with your business from your sphere. That's my area of expertise. The agents that create a, hi, I'm Maris and I have a personal page and hi, I'm Maris and I have a real estate page. And your real estate page is very similar to your personal page. And it's all like your accolades of like your stuff. And it's about your team event. And it's about your whatever that is not driving traffic from your local community. If you're an individual agent, and you want to drive people in from your local community, create a community page. That is all things that area and stop bringing yourself into it. Stop bringing your team, you know, buyer, seller, random stuff into it. Like make it about the community. If you're looking to drive traffic 
from people just wanting to learn about the area. And I think people can apply a lot of what you do on YouTube, Levi, like your strategy with YouTube to a community type of page on social media. I think where people completely mess up in both places is where they bring their own like ego and self into it. And it's not about the community at all anymore. It's about them or their team. And there's like a time and a place for that. We don't have enough time to go into it, but I just, I think that's something everyone should, you know, just sit with and consider. Yeah. I mean, I I think a majority of agents are going to fall in, uh, you know, having one Instagram and incorporating your personal and real estate related into one. I mean, um, if you, if you haven't built out your primary Instagram first, I think it's, uh, you know, to build out a secondary or, uh, you know, people relate more with people anyways. So uh, you want to, you want a, a people facing brand. Uh, you know, I, I just chose because, you know, I didn't really have social presence at all. Whenever I, I came into the game, I was, I was more of the anti-social uh, type of person. And uh, I, you know, I wanted to do everything in real life. Right. That was my thing. And then, uh, which is why I liked YouTube so much, because it wasn't really a social platform. It's a search engine. But, uh, you know, and so I chose at that point and when I started to attract real estate clients from YouTube and then developed systems around that and uh, wanted to also attract agents, I just decided on separate channels for that. And Mm -hmm. that's where I made that decision to where my Instagram is, you know, some personal stuff, but also it's my audience is real estate agents. So um, that's where, you know, because if you try to build out two different Instagrams at the same time, you're just doubling, you're giving yourself twice the work as well. So now if you come go down the road and you develop, you know, a system or a process and you want to market towards real estate agents or mortgage brokers or something like that, you know, at that time, I think it probably makes sense. But, um, you know, ideally just, really dial in and and I would say, you know, pick your platform and, and study and learn it and, uh, you know, be, be the best at that one and then start to branch off from there. I completely agree. So, okay, let me check. Yeah. We're, we're at the top of the hour. So, uh, let me see, uh, agents chasing both. Can you talk on that poll or find, uh, let me see, as an agent, I think it's important to have two coaches, one for YouTube and one for the systems for walking a client through. Uh, probably. I mean, I could, I could see that. Um, let me see. You know, I don't know. I mean, that's, I think we're, you know, Travis and I work well together because you know, when we work with people, I mean, I can, I can definitely help people with YouTube and he can help people with contract negotiations, right. Working through deals, um, navigating difficult, times, uh, especially when there's multiple offers. Now, uh, we just sold another listing within a few days. And uh, what we've nailed down on that side of it is really working well right now. So in the last one we sold in nine days, the one before that we sold in three days. So even in this market where listings on average are now sitting even longer and longer, if you have the right marketing strategy, then you can, you, you can be successful. And that's the same thing on the buy side. So we, um, yeah. I mean, we're still working with clients right now. So I would just focus on, uh, and I got a, a question too, about somebody mentioning that right now, as far as uh, posting a lot of negative content, generating a ton of views and uh, you know, recommending to people not to buy. Here's the thing about real estate. I just want to encourage everybody to think about this. It's not timing the market. It's time in the market. You know, uh, That's what it comes down to. It, the, the, 
as we mentioned, the the stats right now is that a home buyer is going to be in a, their home for three to five years. No matter what the market is doing, you buy in an up market or a down market or a sideways market, if they plan on staying, and this is why you have to have that conversation, which is why in our videos, we're staying positive, we're staying encouraging, we're staying informational. And I'm saying, look, if, if you're thinking about this, give us a call so we can talk through your situation because every situation is unique. And ultimately, when we have that conversation with somebody, we're going to say, well, what's the plan? Are you going to be here for six months or a year? Well, if that's the case, I mean, maybe it's not the right time for you to buy. But if you're coming here and you're looking at homes or you're making a move, then maybe, uh, you know, and you plan to stay here for the next three to five years, guess what's going to happen? You should easily weather any storm in the first place, you know, first of all. So, uh, and are rates going to drop in six months or a year? Possibly, but they could go back up. They could get worse. Who knows? Uh, and, and you may, you know, you may look at 6% right now and think you got a great deal. I remember in 2019, I bought my house at 5% and I didn't even bat an eye at that. I thought 5% was amazing in 2019. I, there was no pushback at all. And now we're at six and six and a half. I mean, there's a difference there, but still it's it's not bad. So it has to come down to the conversation. Do they plan to stay there? Are rates going to come down? Sure. But do, can you know when? Can you time the market perfectly? No. Uh, you can't. I also sold all my property. I had seven rentals in 2019. Was not in a buy and hold mentality. Um, you know, something I got uh, landlord fatigue. And knowing what I know now, I would have never done that. And especially if I would have waited one more year, I probably would have sold them for twice as much. But I thought I was timing the market in 2019, right? So you know, the thing is, is that uh, uh, and a lot of these people making negative videos on YouTube have been making them for the last two or three years as well. So what are they telling people? Just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. I mean, for what? I mean, it, it depends on your situation. And guess what investors are doing right now? They're buying. You know why? Because it's not about the rate. It's about the market. It's about, it's never the price of the asset. It's what you can do with the asset. So what is, what is their plan? Do they plan to live in it and have a family and stay at this job in the position? And does the job allow them to make a little bit more money or they're going to have a lower cost of living, living because they're coming from a coastal state or a high tax state or a high restriction state? You know, all those types of uh, conversations you want to have with people and find out what's the benefit. And if you'd rather rent right now and try to time the market, guess what you're telling me? You're telling me, well, what's, what's rent going to be for a family? minimum 2000 a month. So if somebody's going to rent over the next year or two to try to time the market, you're, first of all, you're going to give up $48,000 in cash, right? And then guess what you're dealing with when you buy in two years? You're going to be, you're going to pay for the, what homes have appreciated over the next two years. So you're paying for that plus the 48,000 you did. Plus, uh, you know, you're telling me you're willing to move again, so if you're willing to move again in two years because you're going to rent and you know you're going to buy a house, you know why not buy something now uh, that that two thousand a month in rent that you would just throw away you could put that towards um, your home and then also likely depending on the market and where you're at this is why you have to know your market and where things are going in Dallas we're still trending towards appreciation it's still happening jobs are still happening economy is still doing well uh, we're growing. So we we see appreciation happening. So build in that appreciation. And if it's not your favorite home in two years, 
guess what? You got a better opportunity. You can sell with no tax burden based on your homestead exemption up to a certain amount. You you put all that money you would have spent on rent going away. And then on top of that, you've got appreciation that is likely going to happen uh, you know, in that home as well. So you could end up walking away with a significant amount to put down on your next house. And guess what? If rates are down at that time, you were able to get a little bit more of a pricier, uh, you know, more expensive home and the rate was down and you had more cash that you could either put down or use for furniture, or maybe if the rates are still where they're at, you have money now to buy down the rate or you could get concessions. I mean, all of this goes into the conversations that you have with people and whether you can understand their situation and what will help them make the best decision at this time. But I also mentioned that in my videos, which is why we still get phone calls right now. And I tell people, look, you just got to give us a call so we can talk through. That's why when people ask me direct questions in comments or on videos, I don't answer them unnecessarily. Because if they say, well, what's the best neighborhood? Well, I know nothing about you, you know? Yeah. Um, so so those are the types of things that we have to keep in mind. And and you have to position your message, um, I, I believe, for positivity. Uh, it's easy to pick up some, some views being negative, but... Um, uh, let's open up. You got one. Uh, well, Erica, raise your hand. You want to ask one question before we close off? You got time for a question real quick, Marist? Yeah, if it's for me, sure. <laughs> or either way, I'll hang out. <laughs> there you go. So I do I do have a question. Um, so there's actually one agent out here who is like the whole doomsdayer and like why I have to ask you this question. I've literally lost sleep over it. So um it bothers me that he's basically telling people, listen, I'm the only realtor you can trust, keep it 100% real, blah, 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 like, you know, the whole doomsday thing, um, telling people not to buy and then he shows graphs. And I'm thinking, well, should I combat that by educating people? Because the Las Vegas market is picking up. As a matter of fact, in the last 15 days, we've had uh, over uh, 1,700 contracts accepted. So the market's picking up regardless of the interest rates. Do I combat that or do I just focus on creating evergreen content that is going to continue to, um, you know, uh, find the people that I want? Yeah, no, I I no. Go for it, Maris. You first. Okay, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I think that that's a really great question. And there's a couple different ways I want to answer it. Number one, um, evergreen co content is important, but hyper-specific market and real-time content is is equally as important. So I would say um, I would never necessarily like seek fuel out of what someone who's like triggering you in a sense is like, don't, don't, if, if you're coming from a place of like wanting to give or like understanding that that may not be the best advice, and I think that's good, but like I would be really careful with your energy that it doesn't come off um, and that it's not coming from a place of hoping that agent sees you combating it. And cause I think people will be able to feel that, but separate to that, if I were you, I would be looking at the comments that that person is getting and see if there's any points or, um, from your potential target audience, like engaging with that content and look for content opportunities from those comments. One of the greatest things you can do when you're trying to create content to your target market is to look at your quote unquote, like I don't even like calling people competitors because I don't think anyone, I think you're your own person and you'll attract your own people. But knowing how other people are responding or confused could give you insight into how you could then create content to serve, you know, the other side of the coin. 
I don't know if that was. Yeah, helpful. no, yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, I would, I would never. Um, the thing is, last, I mean, I cannot stand uh, cat fights. You know, <laughs> I can't stand cat fights. So the last thing I would ever do is acknowledge that. But you would, if you say the word combat, I would say you do that in your own way, which is through data, right? Which you just, you just mentioned a few stats. So the video, the, yes, evergreen content is important on YouTube. But just like Maris said, this is why, we, like on our lives, you know, if we uh, we do a live. Uh, once a week, that's really, really good to talk about hyper-local market, um, things that are happening, trends, you know, something like that. Plus it allows your audience to engage. We typically get three to five reach outs the next day because people ask again, those specific questions. And I'll just say, man, that's a really great question, but I don't know you well enough to be able to answer that here. Make sure you give us a call first thing tomorrow. Uh, so we can chat about that and I can get to know you a little bit better. And so from there, the, and if you want to make a um, right now, because it does work, I think even a weekly video on YouTube um, about if you if you didn't want to do a live and you wanted to make a 10 minute, you know, market update, I think that's very relevant right now on YouTube. And I know I emphasize a lot on evergreen content, but the way things are changing and they're so back and forth and everything's up in the air. It's just a different time we live in right now. So, you know, if you're if you're making three videos a week, I'd focus on two videos that are really educational, informational, informative, positive, you know, um, you know, helping out. And then one video, if you focused on that, say, look, here's here's what's happening. You know, here's the deal in Las Vegas. And uh, we're seeing a major pickup and present the fact that you're busy working with clients, you know, you're helping people, man, start telling those stories like Maris was talking about uh, early on, um, you know, start saying, I, you know, I just helped a client last week, we got under contract and here's their situation. You know, they're, they've, uh, you know, wanted to get out of California. They're making the move over here. And it was the time, it was the time for them to move right now. So they had to move and they understood um, you know, that the market is a little bit up and down, but here's how we were able to solve that problem. And you kind of talk through that. And then you, if you want to show data, I mean, data will trump a lot of things. Here's the deal is that you want two components in there. You want your story and you want your data. Your story is going to relate to about 70% of your audience. Your data is going to relate to about the other 30%. If you leave out one or the other, you're missing out on a good piece of audience. So uh, that is something that you will capture a lot of those people. And a lot of those negative people are probably the data people that are over there, you know, just kind of sucking that stuff up. And, uh, we've, we've, you know, we've got, uh, the same thing. It's fine. It's, uh, you know, we've got the same thing in our market, uh, but the guy's not even a real estate agent, but, uh, every video is 250,000 views, you know? And, uh, but it's funny because, I just watched a video from this person last night and he's like, nobody's going to open houses. The market's dried up. And I'm like, uh, I don't know where you're at, buddy, but have you been to an open house lately? Have you been to a model home and a new construction site? I don't know if it's just me, but here in Dallas, they're packed. They're busy. There's people all over the place. Our open houses, we had the last one we did, we had like 50 people come through. Uh, you know, and I'm going to, uh, we've been testing out filming some of these new construction properties, uh, some of the model homes. We, it, we can't even, you know, we, we have to stop every five minutes because there's a new family walking in there. I went to look at a new construction home. 
I'm in that one new construction house in one neighborhood. I'm in there like five different people came in that house while I'm in that house walking around five different families within a one hour time frame. And I'm like, I don't know what the, uh, what your dad is saying, but I know boots on the ground working with people. We just put like four contracts, um, four people under contract this weekend and you know, it's happening. It, so, so I think, um, uh, it, it's, it's tough to deal with. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would never directly address it. I would just stay on my message, you know, um, my positive aspect. What am I seeing the stories of it? Who have I helped this week, last week? Um, and, and keep that fresh in that sense. Erica, I have one more thing that I want to say on that. Um, and y'all, everyone can take this or leave it, but I think it's important for me to say in light of this, there is something that's called, well, two things. Number one, I get super, super triggered by like social media gurus that have come out since the pandemic and latched onto the real estate world and just like completely like, you know, sucked basically like, like capitalizing on reels and video and all this stuff that I don't feel like they're giving them like tried and true advice because like, they haven't been in it or seen it or they're not, they're coming from a place of what's easy to like um, ride the wave of the trends on. But I have always stayed true to a couple things in my business that has allowed me to be successful regardless of what's happening on social media or in the world around me. And that is that I do not overly pay attention to my quote unquote, like competitors. Number one, I don't view anyone as a competitor. I think that we all have a unique place and voice and we get put in positions and we in opportunities when the right people need to hear what we have to say. So in tandem with that is this thing called the grocery store rule. And I don't know if you've ever heard this, but the grocery store rule is if you want to be excited about running into somebody at the grocery store and talking to them and sparking up a conversation, then you shouldn't follow them on social media. Because what can happen is you can end up consuming their content or manifesting a different reaction or a different approach to helping your audience through consuming what you deem to be negative or like the opposite. So I would just really encourage you that it sounds like you are true to the way that you and you feel passionate about the way that you help your clients and can help your clients. And the more that you block out what what you don't agree with, the more you're going to be able to stay aligned with what you do agree with. And your messaging will come through more authentic and hit the right people instead of potentially your messaging coming out even indirect, you know, like directly or indirectly, like coming off combative based on what other people are saying when your audience may not even be hearing that. So just, just kind of keep that in mind too, I guess. Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, no, I would, I would never, you know, blast myself and like, you know, start blasting people on social media, but um, it just drives me crazy that these people and it's been, they're sharing national news versus like local news and local data and stats are different. And then I love stalking people's analytics because you can find out if people are monetized, how many views they're getting, what they're making a day on socialblade.com. So I stop, you know, like I, just been obsessing over this which i shouldn't be doing but you know he's now finally monetized he's finally reached four thousand watch hours with um you know like this new tactic so it's it's just been driving me nuts but you know you both um 
given the advice is it's, it's actually helped me a lot. Oh, good. Well, stay true, stay true to yourself. And also remember that a lot of times people um, who are being more like snakes in capitalizing off of, you know, maybe false ways of educating people because it's drawing people in because people will naturally a lot of times get attracted to things that are not necessarily like in their best interest, but it resonates with them or or a side of them that it like validates what it is that they're feeling or thinking, especially when it comes to the news. If he's monetizing off of that, that's not how you want to monetize anyway. Number one and number two, like that will all fall apart at some point. Like you say true to you and like continue down that path and your path may be slower. Like your path may be slower, but then take off. But as long as you know that you're staying true to you and how you serve your clients and what you believe to be their pain points, then I I would like really, really encourage you to maybe try and like best you can kind of step away from maybe some of that like lurking, lurkingness. Cause it could, it could, but if anything else just like hurt you in the sense, like discouraging you potentially or making you think like, Oh, that is the way to make money when, there's so many other ways that you can monetize for being you. And I really, really believe that every single agent there is is meant to draw in their own tribe of people. And that's why there's so many successful agents. So that's, I don't know. That was like- <laughs> it was helpful. Thank you. Thank you for the pep talk. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I was just, uh, <laughs> I was searching on YouTube. I think I might've found the, the culprit. So I was curious everybody's like meanwhile i'm gonna dissect it (laughs) i'm gonna so yeah i wouldn't yeah i would just stay stay in your lane and just you know focus on that the thing is is that uh, i know the amount of business we do whenever i've talked to uh a few other people uh, and like i said you know this one person here not even a a real estate agent and uh, but you know they they monetize what's what's interesting is they monetize off of you know, subscribe to their private videos to just tell you to continually wait, (laughs) you know, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. And he's been, it's been that way for two years, but um, you know, in the meantime, you could have taken part in some really good appreciation, at least here in the Dallas market over the last two years, even January, our January numbers just came out and still 9.8% appreciation, you know, in the, in the, in the markets that are, that are doing well. And even overall for, for Dallas as a whole was four and a half percent. So it's still happening. Yeah. Our home sales down. Sure. Yeah. I will. Yeah, of course they are, but uh, doesn't mean that appreciation uh, is is stopping because home sales are down. So that's that's where you have to help people understand the difference there, and you know show them what's happening and and trending and and then also what I do at least in Dallas here is uh, you know I'm showing a lot of uh, sharing a lot of articles and a lot of articles right now, especially with commercial construction. I mean Dallas was number one in the country last year in commercial, and they're still trending towards commercial construction. And so with that amount of growth in commercial, what happens? That's more jobs, you know, great, better economy. What does that mean? More people moving, uh, more people getting better jobs, you know, those types of things. Um, It's funny. So we're going to see, I don't know, I'm coming out with the video on Thursday, which is, you know, the 18 best things about Dallas. So I'm curious to see how that's going to do. Cause again, I'm just going in that, that positive route. And then the very first bullet point I start off with is, is housing, you know, I'm going to start out with housing and, and, and I'm talking about the market and the commercial market and how everything is, 
still happening right now and still moving in that direction and appreciation. So, you know, I'm going to talk about those, those positives. Um, and I know that we're still, we're seeing multiple offers again, even here as well, if the homes are priced correctly. So, uh, you know, just, uh, again, for, you know, people to say open houses are dried up and nobody's out. I'm just going, I, well, I'm, I'm boots on the ground. I'm seeing a whole different story and we're seeing it with our business, but again, I'm just not, uh, focused on those types of things. So, all righty. Well, thank you guys. We went a little bit over today, but all good, all good chat. So um, keep an eye on the Facebook group. Maris said she'll post her, her stuff there for us, take advantage of. So we appreciate that. And we will see you next week. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks Maris. And Maris, how how can people connect with you? Maris, you said Maris marketing. All right. On Instagram. Yeah. At Mary's Marketing, yeah. I have a webinar, free webinar. If y'all want to watch that, there's like an in-depth course. All of that's linked in there. But yeah, y'all can ask me questions at any time. My profile says Mary Marketing BFF and I am. Um, you can DM me anytime about any random questions you have and I'd be happy to help. And don't forget. Passive prospecting comes uh, out on March 7th. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Uh, look at that. Uh, if you didn't see one of my recent reels, this is 227 pages of YouTube yumminess right here. I mean, this is this is a thick book right here. This baby has some back. Let me tell you. Um, I tell you what, it's uh, <laughs> it does. So I, I'm super excited about this March 7th. It uh, it came. I'm really really happy about this mainly just the thickness that was my biggest fear of ever writing a book like i i've always wanted to write a book but i was just every book i ever would have written would have been like a 40 page ebook you know which hey look nothing wrong with that but uh you know you start working on this and the next thing you know it's like wow wow there's there's a lot of information so yeah, yeah. march 7th yeah. why did you pick that day uh the publisher picked it hmm you know, you know, astrologically, you should look, that was like a genius day for you to pick that. Oh, really? Yeah. Look it up. I'll talk to you about it later. But that was like brilliant. Like, I'll, I'll tell you why later, but that is a brilliant date for you to pick that. Okay. Well, on your publisher. for me, well, they said, uh, they're like, when do you want to publish? I said, how soon can we publish? And they said, uh, well, March something. And then they said, but we should publish on a Tuesday. They said, it's just good. to, And I said, okay, March 7th. So that's how I picked it. The soonest we could do it. And the soonest Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to be excited when you learn all the other reasons, but that's brilliant. And I'm oh. excited to get it. And I also want you to tell me the process of writing a book because I don't know anyone that's written a book and I want to write one. So. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, it was, it was, uh, it was a lot, but it's worth it, you know? So I will actually, I'll probably do a whole podcast as soon as the book comes out. Actually, that's probably what I'll do next week on Clubhouse is talk about the whole process. So I'll break it down in that, but then I'll give you the inside track. Yeah. Love it. Make it evergreen. Be advice. Well, thanks guys. Thanks, Levi. All right, see y'all. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. If you're interested in partnering with us to access our YouTube course and coaching all for free, schedule a call at fivestarstrategycall.com.